And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 121 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Friday, March 4th, 2016. Well, this week, folks, astronaut Scott Kelly returned from almost a year in space. And if you didn't see the documentary A Year in Space, it is just absolutely wonderful. I could not recommend it anymore. So Scott Kelly spent the better part of the last 340 days in a weightless atmosphere of space and apparently grew two inches while he was there. Apparently, there was also vision loss, 20 times the exposure to radiation, loss of bone structure, some increased risk of kidney stones, a swollen head, some shrinkage in the heart. So yeah, it makes that whole space tourism thing a little less inviting, I gotta be honest. So we know Scott Kelly is, of course, we know you're a listener of PNR. I mean, right, Scott? I know you're out there. Isn't everybody a listener of PNR? And from what we hear, you couldn't download podcasts while on the International Space Station, so you missed all the pop culture stuff of more than 50 episodes of PNR's This Old Marketing. So, Scott, here's the rundown of what you missed over the last 340 days. First, there was so much Kardashian. And then there was this thing with Tom Brady and Deflategate. That was huge. And then there was Duke University, who was the favorite to win March Madness. And then there's this native advertising. It was a big thing. People were talking about mobile-first strategies. And Facebook did a couple of controversial things. And actually, wait a minute. Kardashian, Deflategate, Duke University, native advertising, mobile-first... Um, correction, Scott, you haven't missed a damn thing. It's all exactly the same, except for this Trump fellow. He, uh, well, now that I think about it, maybe space might not be so bad after all. Anyway, Scott, as you crack your back, shrink back down to normal size, get your eyeballs back in check, get those radiation levels checked, we hope you enjoy catching up and getting into this week's episode. And of course, that means it's time for me to introduce my friend, my co-host, my colleague, the star man of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? You know, I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. And you're going to get yourself in cr- trouble because we've lost some listeners because you've gone political. I'm going to say you've gone political. Not- I, that was – okay. Okay. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> you cannot – look, it, it's pop culture at this point. You cannot not talk about that. I mean it's just there. It's just he's an, he's a force of nature out there and we have to talk. I, I don't care who people vote for. All I know is is that there is a circus in town, and it is called Donald Trump. And so, uh, yeah. I mean, by the way, did is. you see John Oliver's video? I did. Yes. I did. Probably best we don't talk about it. But I know, yes, it's, but it's, it's, it, I just did yeah. see a note that it's been watched over 75 million times already. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I don't care. If you're looking at marketing metrics, like, you know, that's – once you get over 10 million, like, you're, you got a winner. I don't care what it does. That's right. <laughs> Just yeah, ring the bell ex- on that one. Exactly right. No, so, hey, so we're recording early because... We are indeed. We will be at Intelligent Content Conference in Las Vegas. So it'll be good to see you in person. And yeah, we just felt that it's it gonna was be just great. much better to do it before we reach Vegas. Absolutely. I mean, because it's Vegas, right? I mean, so you have that thing. And, I mean, it might make the show more entertaining somehow, but, um, yeah. Well, but, uh, but and plus, yeah, we're, we are we're, technically... We're, we're, well, I'm not really working. You're working... I'm sort of hosting. <laughs> but you're going to be busy, so we felt we should. I will be busy. Get our act I will be together. busy. No, that'll be fun. So, uh, yes. So, in a shortened news week, did we still had quite a we bit of had news, tons actually. of news? Yes, there was lots and lots of news, lots to choose from this week. So, we picked what we thought were the top few stories from the week as it has been progressing. And their top story comes to us courtesy of Martech Advisor. Um, and uh, the title of it is Half of All Marketing Jobs Are Going to Be Replaced by Machine Intelligence. This touches on both the keynote you're going to give at ICC as well as my keynote at ICC, so it felt like a really good chance for us to talk about this stuff. And the article opens up by saying, one of the highlights of last week's Content to Conversion Conference, says the author, um, 
And basically, he's talking about Tim Reisterer, who you and I both know of Corporate Visions, um, who has been arguing um, that effective sales presentations should, one, start with an unfamiliar factoid about why change is essential, and two, that you have a solution for it and contrasting your solution with the approaches to clarify how it's different and better. He then goes on to sort of adopt that sort of format for this article, which talks about, among other things, um, really all of the different jobs related to marketing and their likelihood of becoming replaced by machine intelligence and automation and content creation and um, uh, information uh, are right in there. So what do you think about this? Is this sort of a, a shot across the bow for us as, as marketing people to see which ones robots are going to take our job? I think that if you are in the marketing space and you're not paying attention to this, you're doing yourself a disservice. I Absolutely really, like, right. I'm starting to think so. I mean, I mean, you know how this whole thing came about for me over the last month or so. I mean, I had and I and I talked about this in my uh, Content Marketing Institute newsletter this week. But you know, I had breakfast with Paul Reitzer from PR Twenty Twenty. He said, "Hey, you got to read this book, Automate This," which you didn't like as much as I did. But I think the point with what's going on with that is that all these different industries are leveraging machine learning and algorithms. I mean, it's yeah. happening right now, and things like. Did you know that 70% of the stock market are done without humans touching anything? You know, so right. all those trades are being done or the pharmacist, what I thought was interesting is there are not, they're not going to be any pharmacists in the next 10 years. They're all going yeah. to be replaced because they have, because the computers that are doing this in the testing aren't making any mistakes and they have volumes of 20 million research papers that they can look at in seconds where a pharmacist, you just can't do it that fast, but we can structure it that way. And that's where we get to this whole point about, well, what the heck happens for marketing? And I love this report here from Mark Tech Advisor that talks about like, some of these things, six, what is this, 10 years? This is 10 years, right? Yeah, 10 years. In 10 years, 61%, are they saying the probability of loss or are they saying 61% of the jobs in marketing research will be gone? It's the probability of probability. Such, right? So basically, right. so they, yeah. yeah. So, so what, what, and what the author goes on to say is that it's a good probability that, that more than half of the marketing research analyst jobs and marketing specialist jobs out there will go away. Technical writers is 90% probability that technical writers will go away. And that's interesting because when I first saw that, it got me thinking about it. And we've covered it on the show before where AP, I believe it's something like 90% of the news stories that sent out through AP are done completely through machine that's learning. Right. And, and they're basically pulling information and they're rewriting stories like a human being would write it, but humans aren't touching any of this. Right. And in the book, you mentioned the, the automate this book where they talk about, you know, how uh, sports stories are now being written um, at, you know, literally in real time as the game is being played so that they can provide real time updates and, and, and ultimately the analysis, quote unquote, the analysis of the game and write stories. And so, you know, it, this is a really interesting thing because when you look at the content creation scale where they sort of look at everything from artists and animators to photographers to producers and directors to art directors to writers to editors and all the way down to technical writers and proofreaders, you know, the scale is pretty pronounced there, right? Where they, you know, at the bottom of that scale, really, you've got technical writers where they say there is a 88% chance, I believe it is an 89% yep. chance that that job goes away. And, and you can see why, right? I mean, you can see when you start seeing that computers can write stories about baseball games that, you know, basically factual based relaying of information can is something that you can see at least the possibility of getting and that gets to sort of the theme of what I'm going to talk about at ICC this year which is you know less about strategy for business and more about strategy for people um, which is really what I wanted to make the heart of my talk about which is this idea of if you look at both the scale in marketing and the scale in content creation and even the scale in sales and information technology, which are just fascinating. By, by the way, the study was done – the study is not done by MarTech Advisor. The study actually comes out of the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics yep. and it's a study that's actually looked at it sort of uh, nationwide. That is a fascinating thing because what you can see there is those who can make things uh, – more, you know, you can create more demand or you can add more creativity to the process are the jobs that actually will 
have less of a chance of being automated, which of course makes intuitive sense. But if you start looking at it that way, it's really that which affects the business strategy where you have less of a chance of becoming automated, right? Where a robot has less chance of taking your job. It's just a fascinating article, I think. Well, I think the the, the thing that interests me right now is so much of what we're doing with marketing right now is trying to automate it well right? we're I mean, trying to automate it but we're not i mean the article goes in and says we're automating the task but we're not automating the strategy we're not doing that's it up right. front which is where i mean that's that's what icc is all about that's what we're talking about where how do you if you want it to be repeatable and scalable and you don't want to start over every time you have to think about this strategically up front so that when the technology which by the way a lot of this technology already exists it's just the fact that our content is not in the form that it needs to be in order to leverage the technology. We're doing yeah. all the back, you know, all the workflow stuff and all the back end. Yes, all or all the you know. Oh, hey, how do we get it from one person? All the collaboration stuff that that can all be automated to some cer- certain extent, but then we're not doing it on the back end, right? So. Well, and it this gets to so this gets to what my point was in my keynote for content tech this year, which is. We don't design – when we design systems as people, when we're designing systems these days as marketers, when we design our operations for digital, we're designing for where we are, not for where we're going. Yeah. And so what we inherently do is then implement a process that is already old and antiquated by the time it's done. It's already – you know, it's not future-looking and it does – you know, it starts – you know, basically we're, we're building a machine, but we're building a machine for what existed yesterday, not for a machine of that will change the design of how we actually affect the content and the business for tomorrow. And that's the change that we have to make. That's the that's, – that's where we start getting into, all right, well, now we have to be creative. We actually have to design the machine of tomorrow before we can actually go build it. So, I mean, my recommendation, I know you, um, I mean, you, you didn't love the book as much as I did. Look, I, lo- I didn't love the, here's the, here's the reason I didn't love the book. I, I didn't love the, it's, you know, it's, it's a, you know, weirdly and sort of ironically, it's a little dated at this point. Well, it's four um, years old. You're right. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, the whole real time trading thing I get and I understand. Um, and 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 I didn't like that it spent so much time focusing on Wall Street and 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 that sort of side of things, um, the automation. It's it's it also the the reason I didn't love it was because the solution that it talked about. I you know I just didn't, well but but here's the, see, yeah. here's the one. Yes, I mean first I didn't of all, love the book. I I liked the book. I didn't love well the book, the, the part that, that I think was uh, that I think marketers need to consider and think about is. The case study that they talked about where the the computer was creating music like Bach. Right. Which, if you th- think about – basically what – long story short, they, the, the I think it was the Illinois Orchestra or something like that. I'm going to get that wrong. But an orchestra in the Midwest w- took this computer-generated music and played it and it was raved. I mean they were like, oh my god, this is amazing. And it was based on how Bach – would have sure. written and it was, it was done yeah, completely a style by the style yeah. in the box yes, and it was style, basically style. setting that, setting yeah. up the rules ahead of time uh and and how to structure it so that it so a computer can adapt and start creating and i'm thinking oh my god this is what's going to happen this is what's happening with content we're just not noticing and i think that just the listeners of the show have to be aware that this stuff is going to come really quick much quicker than we think it's going to to pop in and it's already happening we're, just, we're yes. talking about some of it on this show so I guess I mean I think that just reading the book you don't have to read it word for word but at least looking at some of the case studies <laughs> looking at this art article reading this send your bot send your bot in and have it automatically read the book and then download it through the matrix is what you should do <laughs> I, I'm 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 taking it's a personal front that you're <laughs> I I really think this is I like I'm totally I totally get obsessed about things. This is one of the things that I'm like, oh my god, it's, this is going I, to be right a thing. You're we absolutely need to start right too. It's gonna be a this. thing. Yeah. So Yeah. I think you're I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean I I I, I kid because I love, but yeah, it's, I it's, 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 it's 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 it is absolutely a thing that people need to pay. I'll tell you what I mean, though, if I'm a technical writer, I'd be scared looking oh at Oh my gosh, article. I'd be figuring Basically, out business they're saying, right away. You're gonna be obsolete, you better get a new job. That's, That's what right. it says right now. So That's exactly right. 
All right, let's move on to the next story, shall we, and see if a bot can replace um, uh, uh, <laughs> other things. Uh, so this comes to us courtesy of Digiday.com, and the headline is Viacom launches a branded content agency. Ring the bell. Here comes another one. Um, the opening of this article says Viacom believes it has the creative expertise and distribution footprint to help advertisers go beyond the standard commercial. So today it's launching the Velocity Content Network, a 20-person in-house unit that will create and distribute branded content across social and digital platforms as well as TV. Velocity Content Network is part of Viacom Velocity, the media giant's in-house integrated marketing agency. The staff dedicated to VCN were among the 200 people who work at Viacom Velocity, nearly all of whom are producers with expertise in creating branded and social content, said Jeff Lucas, the head of sales for Viacom. So what do you think? I mean, anything? interesting here or is this well the, just- the yeah so i mean we don't have to to cover this one extensively because it seems like we cover it every week because somebody's right. launching one of these things but the thing that i thought was interesting and i wanted to get your take because you know more about the upfronts than i do yeah and it, it talked this article talks about how they got this vcn this whole thing together specifically to pitch ideas around this you know taking data and creating content so this new form of advertising during the upfronts and because yep. of because of that it would seem to me that you're going to see more and more of the bigger brands say oh okay we're not going to do the traditional advertising thing we're going to do more of this kind of stuff because they're just getting pitched it more yeah so i mean i don't I don't know how the upfronts work. You know much more about them than I do, but I'm under the assumption that they're going to take their, you know, two hundred, three hundred million dollar budgets, and they're going to say, "Yeah, we need to put some of this toward this, whatever, whether you call it native advertising, branded content, whatever." They're going to start doing it. We talked about it last week, right? We talked about the sort of disintermediation of agencies here and the sort of trend line here. And here's just another mile marker in that highway, right? Which is, if you look at the upfronts. And the you know, and we've talked about, and you can go online just and read. for a second, real quick. What happens in an upfront? Just so the upfront is, is it, so the upfronts you know sort of they represent two things. One is sort of a season, but it, there are there is an, actually an event where if you are a media buyer um, for the bigger agencies that do big television advertising. And that has extended somewhat to digital now, but primarily television advertising. You go in and you learn from all the networks basically everything that's coming up in the pipeline, right? So you go in and you learn about all the new pilots that are being shot. Did you know there's going to be a reboot of the 24 series? You do now, right? Did you know that there's going to be a reboot of the um, – oh, what the heck was it? I just – I had one of my friends went and auditioned for it. Um, they're doing tons of reboots, by the way, just as a total okay. side note here. But the idea is you go in and you learn about all these new TV shows that will be produced by the major networks so that you can adjust your budgets accordingly. And you're like, wow, CBS, I'm so excited what they're doing. I'm going to dedicate X number of hundred of million dollars. And that was what you did every year. It's what basically big media agencies did was you de- that's where you went and you spent your money with the big networks um, to get, you know, to, to, to set your advertising budgets. And so that has really been under pressure and changing over the last few years as digital has come in, as it has started to eat more money away, and trends like this where you've got the production companies now, the Viacoms, and, um, you know, because Viacom owns so many of the networks that we're talking yeah. about here, and really started to say, you know what, we kind of don't, you know, we, we kind of don't need the agencies anymore. We can go direct to the brands and market right to them and and say, look, we can create content for you. We can distribute it across a network. And here's Viacom creating an entire agency within the confines of Viacom and basically saying, we're going to go compete with these agencies for both the creation and media dollars that would normally be associated with Yeah, well, we so, just talked about it with NBC Universal last that's week. Exactly Same right. thing. That's exactly say, hey, right. We're going to do the ads for American Express, which are not ads. They're little content spots, and you don't need your agency. We'll go ahead and do them and execute them. And and VCN here, Viacom, is going to do the same thing on M- MTV, Comedy Central, VH1, Spike, whatever other yes, ones they own. that's exactly right. And I think you're going to see more and more of this. I mean, I, it would not surprise me to hear one of the major networks here, even somebody like a Netflix or somebody like that, you know, at some point this year, I would not be surprised if we were covering a story where they purchased one of the major creative 
ad agencies and media agencies here because that talent pool will be will be you know will be important and and going direct to brands is you know is a trend for sure and so it'll be a really interesting thing i'm actually going to go speak at this thing called the beacon which is the upfronts for digital um in toronto at the end of this month and i'm gonna i'm gonna be really curious to see what the story is there because last year it was all about branded entertainment and branded content and the budgets for such and so it'll be really interesting to hear what's going on i actually it's funny when i saw this story i thought that all of the uh networks like this already had like content divisions so I was like, oh, okay, well, here's another one. <laughs> Maybe this is it. They do. Well, they do have content divisions, but historically it's been producing narrative content, right? Or short pieces of, of you know, short pieces of content that might be used in context with some of the other productions that they're doing, right? So in other words, they might do, you know, the Friends Get Together episode, sure. or, you know, or special or, you know. But not specifically special, for sponsors. But not specifically yeah. working with brands to create content. This is the new trend, right? Working directly with brands to say, what do you want to do? Right? Well, you want to do something with Seth Meyers? Great. Let's figure out and creatively put something together, and let's create something together. That's the new trend here. That's really interesting. You know, I totally forgot to send you this. I probably maybe I did. Maybe I sent it through Facebook, but I didn't. We didn't have time to cover it. But it just made me think of. I believe it's Tribune that has that are combining the editor and the publisher roles. Yeah, at Tribune, which I saw some of my journalism comrades on. Facebook say this is truly the end of the world. <laughs> right. It's yeah. just so funny. It's getting yeah. it's getting so muddy. It, well, um, as you as you so correctly pointed out at the beginning of this year in your blog post, it's going to get weird. And it is it is in it full is weird, weird mode right full, now. We're we're full weird. <laughs> we're we went we went full weird here. Uh, all, right, all right, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to our next story here, which comes to us courtesy. This one's an exciting one, too. It's in a week of exciting sort of announcements and changes. This one is a really big one, which Facebook.com and the what we'll link to in the show notes, of course, comes directly from our friends at Facebook. Introducing Facebook Canvas, the uh, press release slash article opens up and says it's fairly well understood now that the time people spend online, they're spending it on mobile. And then just a handful of apps, including Facebook. What's remained top of mind for advertisers is how challenging it is for them to tell competing brand and product stories on mobile in ways that are enjoyable for people and effective for their business. The data tells them people are discovering content and brands and products through mobile apps, so advertisers are looking for new and creative ways to share information with the people there. As they say, we are committed to building a great mobile experience, and so we're investing in engaging experiences like video and the carousel format to empower these advertisers. And this new Facebook Canvas capability is going to be wonderfully experiential and provide a fast, experiential sort of um, thing on mobile. This, to me, was big news that they buried the lead and sort of... I was going to say the exact same thing. They buried the lead. It's all, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. This is all about how brands can tell their stories uh, in new and unique ways through this new yep. canvas. I don't think it's, I mean, yeah, you can call it advertising. That's fine because you're paying for it. But right. it's and if you, and if every, experience. Any brand that uses this just for advertising is missing the boat. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, here's the, what I, as I was going through the article, I was thinking, and I wanted to get your take on this. You could use this as regular programming within facebook but you just have ad-based promotion you just you just have promotion dollars behind it so right. let's say so you could do your own you know short form videos you could do what you know whatever you're going to do that you want to inter- integrate it with and you just have you know just have some ad dollars behind it so you can use the canvas format but it'll load 10 times faster that's what they're they're claiming along with instant articles that they do uh yep. and so you'll have that access but it's just like, wow, instead of launching, let's say, a video series on YouTube, I could just launch it with Canvas. Well, that's exactly that's, – that's their hope, right? Yeah. That's their – that's totally their hope. They don't what's say that, happen though. here. No, they're, they're, they're they positioning it. I know. Advertising, and advertising. Well, yeah. I have to imagine that they did that because they're, they're trying to get they're, – they're looking at themselves as well as the opportunity here as a more effective – you know they want to appeal to the media buyers, right? They're, That's you know, true. Going I mean, back yeah, to it's, our, it's smart. It's yeah. a smart usage, yeah. yeah. But but basically, you're right. They totally buried the lead with it, right? The smarter the smarter strategy, from my point of view, is exactly what you just outlined. Using this as a means of telling a great story through wonderful 
call it branded content, content marketing, whatever you want to do. And using that as an ability to flow people from Facebook, it becomes such a more interesting mobile experience than Facebook is on mobile for the most part. You know, here's a post, here's an embedded video, go check it out. Rather, this becomes like an experiential thing that you can like, wow, cool. I can. Yeah. And then at the end, having some call to action to pull over into. And because it's an advertising platform, I have to imagine that there's going to be wonderful analytics here and the ability to track things like click-throughs to other places. And so if you can use this to pull an audience into to your owned media property and start building an audience there. I think it's an incredible opportunity. Well, here, so here's the other thing, and we didn't. We had so many great articles to choose from, but Amanda Subler, you know, our, our PR director, uh, she sent us a note and said that uh, there's an article out that said instant articles now enable you to collect email addresses. Yeah, exactly. So think about this. So now I'm start now after like completely hating on Facebook for three years now. You have an opportunity to actually collect data in the form of email if you do this right. And you have put some promotion behind it. You could get some dollars. You could really well target it because Facebook's targeting is fantastic. And you can collect your, uh, your email address to, to make sure you're diversifying so that they don't have all the control. And you can build your own audience and database on the side. I want to see that in action. I, 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 I'm a little skeptical on that, but I'd, if 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 I see that in action, like fully, you know, this Canvas instant articles environment in mobile, I want to see that in action and how it actually works as a flow. Because if that works, what you can see what Facebook is trying to do here, which has become literally a a self-contained worldwide become, web. Yeah, right? basically they're becoming the internet. Right. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to advertise anywhere else. You don't have to communicate with anyone else. We've got the whole thing for you. That's and right. by the way, if that happens, I'm leaving marketing. Just, <laughs> just saying. I'm done. Right. I'm done. My time here is over. <laughs> you, but you and Scott Kelly will go spend years in space, right? But I'll tell you what. It, 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 I'll tell you what. It is fascinating. I mean, when I saw the email, um, the email thing come up, I'm like, ah, yeah, this is now, – now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very interesting. All right. Our uh, our last story that we're going to cover here is going to be uh, from the BBC. And the headline here is Elastic News on Mobile. And so we're talking a lot about mobile in this show. But so this is a really interesting one because it talks about a project um, that they're working on here. And the way the article opens up is it says the aim of this project is to help people, initially younger audiences from 16 to 24, deepen their understanding of a news story or event that allows them to create their own exploratory journeys. Um, and they say a key factor in that work is they want to create use cases for people with limited time available to explore news stories on the mobile while they're out and about. While the popularity of services like Snapchat is an example of changes in users' behavior on mobile devices, users are increasingly consuming news stories in snackable formats. The challenge is to provide them news in a quick, snappy format, but also providing them the opportunity to deepen their understanding when needed. It then goes on to describe this new model of developing content in atomic bits, which actually is a framework that they're providing here that says you can click through and go down in a number of paths through almost, I would I guess, like almost assembling a news story like it would be an experiential website. Um, and then it talks and it gets a little geeky toward the end here when it starts talking about the format and the way it's delivered. But this is in many ways what we're talking about in intelligent content with atomic bits and content strategy and the way to organize content and deliver it. But I don't know. What did you think? about? I had a definite take on this. But what did what did you think about this? No, I mean this this article is way smarter than I'm capable of being. So I mean <laughs> the, the thing that I would say that you're right. I mean I think that it's it's an idea of hey, how do we structure our content to get to the right person at the right time with the right piece of content? So I mean if right. you think about just the one little bit that I was interested in, it said, hey, if we look at our news stories broken down as different events. And depending on what type of how they're accessing the content. So let's say that they're over uh, slower speed. We're going because we've broken it down in such a way we're going to deliver X piece of content versus Y piece of content. Right. And it's just I mean, that's I know a lot of companies are doing that, but it's to think to think about how that works and how the different stories you want to tell and how you're going to break them out across these different formats. Yeah, I mean, that's this is not easy stuff. This, no, and, and no. hardly well, anyone so, is doing this right now, but I think that we're seeing a glimpse of, of the future of, 
of journalistic news production right here. It's it's, it's exactly right. You know, so what struck me about this article was, one, how forward-leaning it is, and so bully for them for chasing this down and really working on this, which is a very, very difficult problem. I mean, I come from the content management world, and I know what breaking down atomic bits of comment, content are like, and doing it, doing so in a news and journalism sort of architecture and organization is actually in some ways easier than it is in a marketing optimizing for delivery of, you know, personalized messages at the right time sort of architecture. It's, it, arguably, you can, you can say it's a bit easier. But here's the thing. One of the that actually points this out in the article, which is their as they work through these prototypes and their first attempt at creating this sort of this structure, it they actually identified four really interesting results here. Which is one, they don't have it fully portable across different formats, yeah. mobile formats, right? They had to say, you know, basically the same story has to be tailored each differently for each prototype that they work on. Two, their production workflow which they identified as being very much a work in progress, they said would be quicker once there's enough stuff to talk about. In other words, how do we create enough content to be atomic for every bit of story that we want to tell? And then three, really all of the different images and emotive types of things that they figure will work best, but basically it's not going to be available in something that's breaking or news, right? Because you don't know the result of that when it's breaking. All you know is that it happened, not what it means, right? In other words, I know a plane crash, but I have no idea what the what it means other than the fact that it, you know, it the plane crashed. And basically that you have to carefully script these things to create that sort of base. In other words, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes human effort to construct these things to create a meaningful experience. But what the power of this is, of course, is the automated, you know, piece of the scalability of drilling down into a framework. So it's a fascinating thing to me because it goes right back to what we talked about at the top of the show, which is, yes, it's really interesting that we can create these frameworks that are deep and wonderful and intelligent in many ways and adaptable and portable. But it's going to take if if you want to develop anything of meaning that's going to take a human element to sort of understand what the meaning is to create the content that is actually scalable. As I, I said this in an ICC letter a few months ago where it's like, it's easy to automate what's in the field, what's in the cell. You know, if you think of an Excel spreadsheet, it's easy to automate what content is in the cell. The hard part is what do I type in the cell to begin with? Mm-hmm. And and that's the part where humans will always have a role is what is it I'm actually typing that will be automated? And that's a key piece here Can I, so, but a fascinating read nonetheless oh, it, is, it was it was fascinating i and i have to read it like three or four more times so i fully understand it but can, can, <laughs> can i can i just change the subject for a second yeah of All course right. i have i have some people that text me now some of my friends that just text me in emojis oh okay don't even i just want to say are you like, gonna get like, me started on a I'm rant just, no, no, I, I don't want you to do a rant i'm just yeah. making so and i was thinking about this because i got this has happened yesterday and one of my buddies sent me a this response and it was an emoji it was a picture and i'm thinking you know when we were cave people we <laughs> we we drew things on walls like this was a house and we're, or whatever we're, we're, okay. we're, we're drawing a dinosaur an animal yeah. or whatever we're drawing we're right. drawing things to tell stories and then we evolved to a point where we're using language and now we're de-evolving back into using pictures i'm just that's just what i thought of today yeah, that's dude, that's that's one of those shower thoughts. That's, like, <laughs> that's it, where it's I like, was. It, like, <laughs> anyways, right? You should. We should be in Denver for that. For that, like, <laughs> what do you think, dude? Are we going back to cavemen? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. And I right and to this point, Pass I have not split, sent. Man. I have not sent any emojis yet. But people okay. keep taunting me with them. Okay, so I have to. I have to be fully transparent here. My wife got into that do you know this thing called the bitmoji i i believe i've heard of it yes okay so there's the bit for those of you who don't know there's the bitmoji where you go make an avatar out of yourself and yeah. it looks like a cartoon version of you and then they put this cartoon version of you in all kinds oh, that's of situations a, I know. Our, our, our our vp of marketing um kathy mcphillips does she the bitmoji she has that and actually it looks yeah. just like her yeah and, and 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 i have to admit i did one of myself because my wife like 
annoyed me to the point where she said, I have to do this. So I literally was on a plane where I was sitting on the tarmac for like an hour and a half waiting to take off because of the snow. And so I'm like, all right, let me see if I can do this thing. And so I built myself a Bitmoji and I sent it to her and I made her life apparently. I mean, she absolutely adores my Bitmoji. See, that's... So those are the little things that you did it have like a cape and a and oh no no it's got a whole thing no it's a whole no dude you have to I'll send you a bitmoji of me and 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 you'll see oh, it's God. it's like a whole I have a whole library of bitmojis I can send you now when I when I want to respond with something yeah it's a whole thing it's, all right well know. see you now what's gonna happen is I'm gonna probably do this thing and then I'm just gonna have to go like, yeah. on some forest gump run around. <laughs> You know, right, exactly. across the country because <laughs> I have nothing else left to do with my life. All right. That's all I have to say about that. All right, then. Um, we have an advertiser to we, talk about. We, we have a wonderful sponsor that has done an amazing job of creating something that's really, really worth downloading. So, uh, again, our wonderful sponsor, GoToWebinar. Robert, did you know? Did you know that webinars are consistently rated as the number one marketing tactic for lead generation I over, heard some rumors, you know yes. Yeah, I the, heard some rumors, yeah. Yeah, rumors. With over 60% of all marketers utilizing webinars. But many businesses still struggle with how to find their target audience and deliver the right message. Well, no worries, folks. We have a simple five-step plan. The keys to using webinars for successful lead generation go from daunting to doable. I love that. We use like that last that, time. Yeah. Daunting yeah. to doable. Daunting to doable. I feel I like refreshed it. after saying that. From finding your audience and developing engaging content to authentic interaction and webinar promotion, you'll discover the five steps to attract your target audience to your next webinar ebook. I just think it's funny. You're you're getting how to do a webinar through an ebook. This is fantastic stuff. So you gotta download this at bitly.com slash go to webinar dash attract dash audience. It's bitly.com slash go to webinar dash attract dash audience or go to this all marketing.com. Uh, you'll check out, uh, check us out on the CMI website every Saturday for the show notes and it'll have a nice, wonderful picture and a link to the download, but it's we would awesome. just appreciate that you would support our sponsor. And of course this sponsor came away with some really good information. So if you have no idea what you're doing with webinars or you have a little idea and you need to do better, go ahead and download this ebook. You know what they should do? They should do Daunting Darren and Doable Dave. They should make Bitmoji As for a Bitmoji? Yeah, and, and basically create a little web series for Daunting Dave does webinars the wrong way. Doable Dave or Doable Darren or whatever it is, right? He does webinars the right way. Remember Goofus and Gallant, right? When you were in oh, the yeah, doctor's yeah. office with highlights, Goofus and Gallant, they could do... Right, daunting Darren and doable Dave. That that could be one of the worst ideas I've ever. Thank you. I've Thank ever you. heard. There we go. All <laughs> right. Well, then that brings us to our favorite part of the show, which is our rants and raves, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave about something that makes us feel like we're up in space and getting twenty times the radiation, or makes us feel like we've got our feet on the ground after having come back from a year of space and we're feeling like ah home again. So let's see. You're uh, you're going first. I'm going first. You have this old marketing. This old marketing. So I'm going first. So I have a rave and a rant. uh, All right. So first the rave. Now this article comes from SimpleMost.com. It says Chick Fil A is doing something amazing, encouraging people to put away their phones. So yeah. So it says select restaurants are encouraging families to make it through an entire meal without using their cell phones. If you're able (laughs) to look with that. Oh, this is great. This is awesome. If you're able to achieve the goal, the entire family will receive small ice cream cones. These select Chick-fil-A restaurants will provide you with a special box to place your cell phones. They creatively named it the cell phone coop. (laughs) That's good. If you, if you make it through dinner, keeping your phone in the coop, then you just let your servers know and you receive your prize. Now, I absolutely love this idea, especially since our family has been a proponent of limiting electronics time over the weekends to do more family activities together. So I saw this and I said, this is fantastic. Not content marketing by any means, but a simple idea that I think works well in concert with the Chick-fil-A brand and, and what they're trying to build. And so just, by the way, I had like four people come up and like send me notes and and come up to me and tell me about this. So like it's getting a lot of word of mouth. Okay. So it's a, All right. It's a thing. Yeah. It's, it's a, a thing. thing. 
It's a thing. Hashtag it's a thing. So here's my rant, and I want to get your take on this. This is very quick. All right. So it comes from an email I received this week from one of my LinkedIn groups. So I'm a member of the content strategy group on LinkedIn, and I received an email from Hillary Marsh, and Hillary's the, the moderator of the group. And so here's the message. And I, I don't want this to come out negative, but I just wanted to give your take on it. And I just think there's a better way uh, for Hillary to go about doing this. So, so Hillary says, a reminder that this group's purpose is to share information about content strategy through discussions. It's only through discussions that we can learn from one another. Totally agree with that, Hillary. Thank you. Here's second paragraph. I'm still finding and removing several self-promotional links per day, largely from people in content marketing, marketing, sales, or PR. To minimize the spam for the rest of the group's members, I am putting anyone whose job title or role includes marketing, advertising, or PR on moderation. So basically what she's saying is if you have, let's say I go in there and I've got a content marketing title, I'm put on moderation. So, so anyway, so so basically she goes on. She says, further, I'm automatically removing people from the group who post self-promotional link. I totally agree with that. But basically, so even if I want to go in, so basically that, that's Hillary's note. Now I'm talking right, here. Right, so so right. when I want to go in and post something constructive, I have to wait for moderation only because my title is a content marketing title. Now I'm not going to dwell on this. But this is one of those little issues that I think some people in content strategy think that we are on separate teams. Um, I, I don't know if you can just put people if they have a title. It's almost like uh, it just seems like now that we get into this infighting and we're focusing on some of the wrong battles. And to me, and this is where I want to get your take, Robert, it seems like we're profiling by title, which I believe completely goes against the nature of an open community or, or a society for that matter. So that's, that's sort of my <laughs> right. If I'm a content marketing title, but I'm hashtag interested... marketers lives matter. <laughs> oh man, seriously! If I I'm know, a... I hear content what you're marketing people are yeah. really interested in the in, t- in content strategy. So why should they be treated differently just because they have a different job title? I I I couldn't agree more with that. Now I don't know. You know, obviously I didn't see. Which posts were so egregious that I didn't sort of see triggered, anything either. Yeah, I, did, I didn't, didn't know. And didn't, by the way, she's, triggered this. she's probably right. She's probably yeah. right that it's coming from marketing people, salespeople, and PR. Because if, if you're a part of it, well, of course, it is, group, right? you know that you get right. a lot of pitching, but right. you still can't do it by title. I don't think. Right. Well, I, you know, I think that's, you know, it's, it's basically, I think, taking a, a you know, taking a broadsword to what should probably be done with a carving knife, right? And so it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, look, I, I think the sentiment behind it is correct. Yes, I agree. Which is, agree. which is getting rid of the spammy messages in this particular board. Now, it is not news to anybody in the content strategy community or the content marketing or marketing or sales or anybody that there's a there's a rift between those groups, right? There has been forever um, in terms of the us and them, right? So, and, and sort of, you know, what, you know, the, the, the fluff of marketing and the importance of, of, of content. And, and, and so I think if anything we've learned in today's show, you know, looking at the future is that these things are going to become blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. I saw, it was interesting. I saw a post on a content strategy board. I don't remember exactly which one, which talked about this, you know, how frustrated they were that so much of the discussion had become about content marketing. And it's kind of because that's where a lot of content strategy is actually moving in, in, in many ways. And so you can not like it. Um, you know, as Clayton Christensen said, you can hate gravity, but gravity doesn't care. And so the, the, the business strategy of content is increasingly a marketing strategy. Yes. Now, that is, a, you know, th- that is a bigger issue than we're talking about here. It's a bigger challenge than what we're talking about here. Here we're just talking about which messages get left out of, you know, go, go into moderation and yeah. not. So ultimately, it's hard for me to comment on the, on, on the efficacy that will be had by sort of profiling by title. I suspect... It will, you know, with that group, it may stem it. It certainly won't prevent it. But, you know, the I think the the ultimate thing here is is that 
where you know where we look at those with marketing in their title as sort of a less than is 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 short sighted. I I don't know if any of that makes well, sense. Well, the only yeah. So so I just want to put this out there because I always get hate email after I do one of these things that people say I'm like hard on some it's like hey, Hillary I love you man I love you I you don't have to worry about I'm not like saying that this is a horrible horrible thing or you're a horrible person nothing like that I just think I don't think you can do it this way I think you have to either do all or nothing and you can't do it by titles that's right that's because right it, I think it's I, it's, I, it's right. just it just simply makes it 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 furthers this type of and and maybe I'm looking too too much into it I think it furthers this rift that you that we've all been trying to sort of bring everybody together and say hey we're all on the same team here we're all right. trying to, to to take the approach to the next level that's right um and so anyways rant over yeah there you well go. i think that's you know i think i think that's it right i mean it's taking that we're taking a broad sort of approach to something that should be really done artfully right and you know and she's got a lot to do in her day right she's got she's a busy person she's and moderating this thing she doesn't get paid for this right so this is something she does out of her own passion so it seems like at at surface i have to imagine this seems like the easiest way to solve this problem is to just do this but in in a you know but you're right right it's not the it's not the it's not the ultimately the most nuanced way of doing it and well, it does set up a perception of an us versus them, well if whether or not it actually is or not if right? you'd stop going into that group and promoting your book i mean it would <laughs> right exactly this would have never happened <laughs> all right do you what do you have you have right. a rave this week, i right? do have a rave right. this week i have a rave this week um and i found a link that i will put into the show notes because it came to me in an email um uh, for any of you who have not read and you've heard me talk about her before uh rita gunter mcgrath i could not just recommend her writings and teachings any higher i mean she just is aces in my book um and she wrote a book called the uh, the end of competitive advantage which i will consistently rate as one of my top business books of of the last certainly the last 10 years um and it's just great so she sends out a weekly email or it's not weekly it's 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 not as often as that but it's not as often as i certainly would like which is great content in and of itself when you're like glad to get her email newsletter in your inbox and hers is definitely one of them and this week she sent out this thing and it was all about yahoo and we all we all know what trouble yahoo is having right now and for her, she actually put the Yahoo challenge into the context of her framework of the end of a competitive advantage. And she discussed it in this article, in this email, and the thing that we'll link to, obviously, in the, sh- in the show notes. And she talks about how Marissa Mayer has been in the news, how she's trying to really go after – there's a big stock fight right now with the board, and she's looking to get a new board in there. And she's they've killed off a number of their publications. Yahoo is in big disarray here. And she talks about in her book, The End of Competitive Advantage, This she has this sort of chart which basically talks about what she calls disengagement strategies, which is one of the most important parts of business strategies, she says these days, is the uh, not only the ability to engage new projects, new products, new initiatives, but the ability to disengage and move to another arena, as she calls it, in this, you know, to create sort of the flow of competitive advantage rather than sort of the establishment of competitive advantage, which, of course, she argues the end of. And so she talks about this in the context of Yahoo here and sort of this table that she talks about where the goal of any company should not be what they she calls, one, the garage sale, which is basically where you have to get some sort of reasonable price for whatever you can sell this thing for, this company or this division or this product, or in many cases what we're talking about here is a content marketing pub or something like that or the runoff or the last man standing approach where you basically like hey you're the last one there and sort of you know if you don't turn out the lights on your way out the fire sale the hail mary she says the real goal here is to be in this upper left hand quadrant as she's got it here which is the orderly migration where as part of your strategy you have this disengagement strategy so i'll let you read all about that in the book and sort of what she talks about in this article but what it brought up to me was this and this seems to be top of mind for me for the client engagements that I've been on recently, which is we not only need to be able to launch content properties, content hubs, blogs, magazines, webinar programs, white papers, we also need to turn them off too. 
Just because we launch something doesn't mean it should last forever. And that blog that may have worked wonderfully in the first three quarters or may have worked wonderfully for the last five years that is now kind of stale and old and we've sort of lost traction with it, we got to kill it. We have to be able to kill it and just as much as we needed to be able to launch it. And a disengagement strategy from these content marketing initiatives that we implement should be, quite frankly, just as flexible and agile, et cetera, as it was in creating it. And I, you know, I tell the story of this company that I worked with um, last year where I walked in and we mapped out this incredibly wonderful content marketing approach and it was going to be a new content hub and it was just going to be great. And as I walked out, the VP tapped me on the shoulder and said to me, hey, I need to hire a new team to run this thing. And I said, well, wait a minute. We just spent the last day and a half talking about how there's this team working on a blog and a social program existing. The blog is going nowhere. It's dying. The social program isn't effective. I said, why not move those people over to this new thing? And he said, well, I can't do that because that team reports to the VP of social and she'll get her budget cut and she'll be, you know, really upset about that. And her team, if she loses headcount, she loses, you know, sort of position in the organization. So I said, well, wait a minute. Then what you're telling me is, is that instead of putting this veteran smart team that's on this dead end project on the new thing, you're actually going to hire a bunch of new unproven people to work on the cool, innovative thing while the senior people work on the dead end project. And he's like, yeah, that's kind of the size of it. And it's like, no, we need to be able to disengage from these things uh, much better. And the more we can sort of start reaching for that as a strategy, I think the much better off we'll be. And Rita Gunter McGrath talks through a whole that whole structure, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful piece. So I wanted to rave about it. You know, I've never read that book. I guess I it's have. It's a great to. book. Man, it's a great book. It's another one I got to put it on my list. I've got so many on my list. To, in my, I'm trying to. I'm trying to read like uh, thirty books this year. And uh, you, you're a a much one. you're a much quicker reader than I am. So it's, I have a lot of plain time, and I really love business books. And so I, yeah, I mean that book that you recommended last week, I read that on the plane on my trip out. It was, yeah. it was, it was good. I I'm, didn't love it. I'm still not done with it. <laughs> <laughs> so fast I move. All right, I have this old marketing. This week. you have this so, old marketing. There we go. So this old marketing. So I'll tell you a little story here. So back in 2007, uh, Newt Barrett and I covered Miller uh, Miller Electric. In one of our case studies for the my first book, Get Content, Get Customers. And we thought it was time to go back and do a little update about how they're progressing with their content-driven website, MillerWelds.com. But first, I need to tell you some little bit of background. So let me go back to 2005. And at that time, we approached. I was at Penton Media, and we approached Miller to purchase some advertising in one of our welding books at Penton. As the conversation went along with Miller, we learned that they had over 100,000 subscribers to their print magazine and over 250 visitors to their content-specific portions of their website. And when they asked us why they, they should advertise in our magazine when they had far more audience than we did, you know, by the way, we tried to refute that, but it's hard to refute when you're talking to somebody that has exactly, you know, more of the same audience that you want them to advertise in your magazine. So sure, we tried. But basically, they had taken an audience-first approach to all their communications, and it was working really well for them. So I, w- I want to share a quote. So this is a quote here from Vicki Reiner. And Vicki, at the time, was uh, the Corporate Marketing Communications Department lead at Miller Electric. And she says this. So she says, the, over, uh, the overarching objective in all our marketing strategies is to understand the customer. Our research with the customer is what motivates us to provide information slash content that is relevant to them. For many of our customers, the welding operation in their business is important to their very livelihood. As the manufacturer of the equipment they depend on day in and day out, they look to us for information that may help them with their most critical business issues. For example, reducing welding costs, costs, increasing productivity, operator efficiency, and equipment purchase justification or ROI. I just thought that was interesting, a very audience-centric approach. So now, you know, let's go back to the present day. And if you go to MillerWelds.com site, they've only improved on what they were building uh, 10 years previous. So it looks like, unlike other manufacturing sites that you and I go to, they really do lead content first, focusing on the problems and issues of welders. Now, sure, they intermix product promotions, but much of the site is dedicated to educational content. They have four e-newsletter opportunities for welders, welders to subscribe to around who their audiences are. One is DIY, 
The second one is pro. The third one is instructors. And the fourth one focuses on welding safety. So you go to their welding resources section and you'll be hard pressed to find a better learning center, both in text and video, which includes a welding calculator section and a welding dictionary, among other sections. And then they have an entire video audio university dedicated to welding and electricity. And by the way, that's fantastic. So if you want to see what it's completely free, there's no need to sign up for anything. And if you want to see like a free university (laughs) and what you can do with that, go to millerwells.com. So all in all, it's nothing flashy. It just works. Uh, they get more and more. I don't know the, the stats on the opt-ins. I don't know how many more of the 100,000 that they, they had you know, 10 years ago. I'm assuming it's much, much more. But they integrate products where it makes sense. They always lead with the solutions to problems that don't necessarily lead to a Miller product, which is unique for a manufacturing company. It's just first-rate education, and I urge anyone in B2B to check out their site. It's MillerWelds.com. It's, as you were talking, I've been going through their site. I mean, it's just delightful, right? I mean, I think my favorite part of this is the fact that you hit the front page of their site. The entire front page of their website is content. I know. Isn't it, it something? Does, it's not like, you know, it's not like, hey, we won this award and hey, here's our trade show and blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's, you know, there's one image in the carousel is, you know, the new catalog is out. Basically, the new product catalog is out. But everything else, as you scroll down past the carousel is, you know, they've got this thing called the We Build Project Gallery where you can see, you know, user-generated content of stuff that's been built. You've got forums, which is a community. They've got their social. They've got their newsletters that you can subscribe to that you mentioned. They've got their owner's club. They've got all these articles that they've, you know, that's the entire, that's the whole front page, right? And so if you look, you can find the about us and our company and all that kind of stuff. But then you go into resources and there's like a huge thing calculators and mm-hmm. training materials and video libraries and just i mean it's, it's i think it's, i think this is a company that understands the buying journey and yeah. they understand their customers they really understand well. their customers right i mean here i mean you know and we've talked about lincoln electric before which i would suspect is a competitor of some they sorts are to these direct guys. competitors i believe um, yes. and you know there's another company that really under so here's here's two welding companies that really understand the power of content right and it's like why is this such a hard argument to make? But you know, anyway, it's 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 fascinating. What a great what a well, great story. Well, that's when I when I, I saw that. it because I mean, we we obviously work with a lot of B two B manufacturers. We get a lot that come to content marketing world, and I think this is it, it. It's not like you can tell they didn't spend a gajillion dollars on it. It's just really good thinking. No, it's just an important piece of their strategy, right? Yeah. It's like you know, here's something I've been repeating of late, right? You know, and I was actually when I was at this event with another what would be considered quote unquote boring business, um, you know, um, I was, you know, somebody came up to me and they were like, you know, and because this is a debate that I had with an analyst in the space last week, um, which is we want to be really, really, really super. If we haven't been super clear in the six years we've been doing this, let's, let's just be really clear. Now we are not suggesting that content marketing is a replacement for all the things that you do. It is a piece of your marketing strategy. It is an important piece we would argue, but for some companies, it will be a very small piece of what they do. For some companies, it will be a medium sized piece of what they do. And for other companies, it will be in a complete, the most important part of their strategy. And I can point to examples of all of those, right? Where content marketing is a very small piece, an important piece, but a small piece of what they do as part of an integrated marketing and communication strategy. For some, it's an important, sizable, meaningful part of their budget, but not the most important, sizable piece of what they do. And then for others, you look at somebody like HubSpot or somebody like us or somebody, you know, where content is everything that they do. The, it's an approach. It is, not, it, it is not a replacement for a great marketing and advertising strategy. And that's just, it's such an important piece because, you know, it's like all you guys ever talk about is content marketing. Well, duh, that's what we do. That's, our, that's what we do for a living. That's why we're here to evangelize. But we're not here saying stop advertising tomorrow and do content marketing forever and ever. And that's the only thing you do. No, it is a piece. It is a smart strategic piece of a integrated marketing and communication it's strategy. It's so funny. You and I have been traveling around the world for the last 10 years talking about this stuff and it always seems like people want to say it's content marketing versus advertising or right. versus content strategy and we always say hey we're, we're we're lovers we're not we're not fighters i love 
love advertising. I come from that world. Yeah, exactly. I love We're... advertising. I absolutely adore advertising. If they're, you know, if, if, you know, I, I absolutely, I, I, I annoy the hell out of my wife because I like to not skip commercials and shows. I watch the, I like advertising. I, I'm weird that way. I love marketing. I love advertising. I love content. It's, you know, I love the creativity of advertising. I love everything about it. It's not a replacement. Well, on that note, uh, you and I can sit around and watch commercials in Las Vegas, I guess, because uh, no, that's where, we're gonna, we're, where I'm no, going to sit. No, we're going to sit. We're going to drink some wine in Las Vegas, gonna, my We're going to have gonna a little bit beers. of fun. We're gonna, it's going to be great. We're going to have a good time. We're, there's gonna, it's going to be a great time. For those of you who aren't coming, you are missing you out. Are missing it's going out. to be And fun. I can't even tell them to come because by the time they listen to this, it's already going to be going on. That's so. exactly right. Exactly well, right. Got, so you missed it. So sign up for Cleveland because that'll be fun, too. Well, we had a busy week because we had early bird clothes for super early bird clothes for content marketing world we launched yep. your your project content, content marketing, marketing university, university. yeah and that's boop. only open until the end of the month so if you want that you better and by the way that's really taken off i mean that's that's just fantastic to see that yeah. because we have a whole new curriculum uh by mostly you a little bit of me mostly you and uh, it's just getting grave reviews. So congratulations on that. Oh, one. well, thanks. Yeah, so. it's, it's 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 a labor of love for sure. I absolutely I absolutely love doing it. All right. Well, I will see you. I guess I'll see you in literally three days. That's so, right. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so and the next um, we'll be talking. We'll do a roundup maybe of uh, intelligent content uh, on the next show. And and uh, for that, we'll see you next week. That is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We're signing off. And you know, do give us the hashtag this old marketing. Tweet us up, especially the this old marketing examples we love hearing that we you know as much as we love diving into the archive we would absolutely adore if you send us those examples we've gotten a few from you before and they're just stellar examples or just story ideas you know hashtag if you've got a question you can also send an email this old marketing at contentinstitute.com and if you like this episode number 121 we hope you'll consider subscribing on itunes or stitcher.com leave us a review we love the reviews there as well all the links we talked about will be available in the show notes that will go out on Monday night and then of course will appear in the show post on thisoldmarketing.com on Saturday until next week everybody it is your story to tell remember to tell it well we'll see you next week on This Old Marketing Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.